When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome along, everyone. It's another edition of We Are Going Up, episode 113, uh, to be exact. I'm Mark Crossley, your host with maybe the most, and alongside me this week, a man who can hopefully give us a review of The Hobbit 2, Mr. David Cameron Walker. How was it? It was excellent. Fantastic. Much better than the second one. And the ending. Better than the second one. It was the uh, sorry, second one. Much better than the first one, sorry. But the ending, uh, without giving anything away, it, it just stops dead in the middle of like of the action. Well, I think you've just given it completely well, away there. The Sopranos. One of Did the, you know? Like, one of the like, most frustrating cliffhangers I've ever seen. Do you know that it's um, it's been nominated for three Oscars? I do now. But, but none of the good Oscars. No. <laughs> best visual effects, best sound editing, and best sound mixing. Well, you probably could tell me more about the sound mix. That's, that's a good point. But the visual effects were certainly spectacular. Okay. Carl McQueen's here as well, Hello. after a few weeks away. Have you got anything to review for us? What was the last film you saw? Outside of ones at Christmas, you mean, like Home Alone. Uh, Toy Story Cap- 3. We Captain all enjoyed... Phillips. Was we all enjoyed Toy brilliant. Story 3, Captain Phillips was brilliant. Yeah. How Tom Hanks didn't get an Oscar nomination. I nearly cried at the end. Really? Was well, close. it was quite a brilliant ending. We are, we are too much morphing there. into wittertainment a little bit. Um, <laughs> before we uh, get cracking, a quick doffer the cap to uh, the chaps at Audible. They've kindly settled this off for us that we've been plugging on the show for a while. Uh, basically, you get a one-month free trial and you get to download one free audiobook of your choosing. And let's face it, even if you've never considered the possibility of listening to an audiobook before. Everyone loves free stuff. It's a free audiobook for you. All you need to do is go to audible.co.uk slash going up and click through there. You get a whole month free and you can even cancel before the month's end if you don't want to pay after that. Simple as that. Um, who won the Masters Snooker on Sunday night? Ronnie O'Sullivan. Yeah. Ronnie O'Sullivan's book is on there. Running the autobiography. Sven's book is on there. Neil Warnock. Does Sven for- narrate it? That would definitely make me buy it. Absolutely. I don't think he does, unfortunately. Oh, I'll give you um, I'll give you a clue on this one, by the way. The number one audiobook on there at the moment. It relates to a show that was on TV recently. A show that was on TV recently? I'll tell you at the end of the show, shall I? Give me one more clue. Yeah. Oh, okay. I won't tell you. It's, a lot, it's, it's not a lot worth, of shows on TV. It's not worth saving till the end of the show. It's um, It was on uh, BBC in three parts. Sherlock. Oh, Sherlock. Yes, so it's the, uh, what's he called? Arthur Conan Doyle. Correct. There you go, the complete works there. The full works. I think they are, yeah. So go to, but that would be, that would explain why it's top of the shop. So go to audible.co.uk slash going up and get that there. Later in the show, we'll be looking back on another busy Football League weekend, which included victories for the East Midlands trio of Leicester, Derby and Forest, plus four of the Championship bottom five won as well. There was a crucial win in League One for Darren Ferguson and Peterborough. And with Notts County winning at Stevenage, we'll also give our take on the relegation picture because they're starting to pull clear. In League Two, three games called off and three goalless draws, so we're going to focus mainly on Southend United. Uh, the Shrimpers thrashed Chesterfield 3-0 to move up to four 
fourth. They've now got just one defeat in their last 15 games in all competitions and ahead of this weekend's FA Cup tie with Hull, the Phil Brown derby as we're calling it. We're going to speak to Chris Phillips, Southend United reporter for the Southend Echo. He'll tell us all about the great job that he's doing down there at Roots Hall. But first, let's begin this week at the Reebok Stadium. It was a disaster of a weekend for Bolton Wanderers. Dougie Freeman's men were thrashed uh, 7-1 at Reading on Saturday. Their worst defeat since 1981-82. They've now only won two of their last 10 games. They're just four points off the relegation zone. And with those debts uh, recently revealed of up to 163 million quid, it's fair to say they need to avoid relegation this season. Let's speak right now uh, to Chris Parr, who is the host of the Men in White Bolton Wanderers podcast, which you can download on iTunes. Chris, thank you very much for coming on the show and speaking to us, especially after that defeat. You were there on Saturday at the Medeski. And um, bearing in mind we want this as broadcastable as possible, how would you uh, describe the Bolton performance that you witnessed? Yes, quite. No, it's a pleasure <laughs> to be on the show. Um, I say pleasure in the least possible sense. Uh, it was awful. It was absolutely awful. I mean, it became, by the end of it, just a laughing stock. We were laughing among ourselves. The Reading fans were no doubt laughing at us. It became a sort of gallows humour type of place to be, um, and we sort of laughed our way through it. But no, there was uh, there was nothing to, to cling to in that performance. It was an embarrassment, and that's all there was to say, really. The defending was just absolutely diabolical I mean there was individual errors all over the shop I mean Reading just seemed to have the complete freedom over the half for a couple of the goals there was one, a couple of the goals where I counted uh, seven or eight Bolton players outnumbering uh, the Reading players by what seven or eight to three and just there was all, all the orange shirts just standing in the box and doing nothing absolutely nothing I mean it was absolutely appalling defending I mean, is this something that has been because um, you know, you've, you've had a few defeats this season we've conceded five to Leicester a few weeks ago didn't you I mean has the defending been that bad all season in a word it's not been yeah well in a word yes um, it's, <laughs> it's not been a, it's not been a good season for, for, from the defensive point of view we got McNaughton in from Cardiff for um, a couple of months and while he was there it seemed to stem the tide a little bit but no we've chopped and changed that back four uh, we haven't known what we're doing in that area of the pitch and I'm not saying a seven goal thriller was, was, was around the corner but it, it, you know once, once a team got clinical it was it was entirely possible that this would happen. Um, another one of the goals, it was a simple header from a long ball that, that, that left one of their players in the clear. Uh, the one you mentioned, there were five in the box, I think, and a, another two nearby that didn't deal with it. And then another one, just you know, just did two errors where, where players had the ball on the edge of the box. One of them was in Gog, I seem to remember, and just didn't clear it. So when you're making those basic errors time and time again, all it takes is one clinical side. And you and you get smashed, and I, and I think that's what Reading were actually on Saturday. I think they only had eight shots on target. Well, they were um, clinical on Saturday, but they'd only scored two goals in five games before that. Yeah. So you weren't, they weren't exactly a, a team full of goals going into the game. I mean, we've seen individual errors, but do you think, is there any problem perhaps with the organisation? Because he had a good reputation, Friedman, at Palace for being quite organised, and they were quite a tight defensive side under him. Yeah, that's true. Uh, there's no need to rub it in, by the way, guys. Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's 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 true. You you would think that 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 that's his bread and butter, Dougie Friedman, that that sort of discipline and that organisation. But maybe you, you sort of look at the comments that he made after the game to to answer that somewhat. And he's just not impressed by the quality. It's a dangerous thing to come out and say, as he did, there's a nucleus of players at the the, the club that just aren't good enough to do the job that we want doing. But he did come out and say that. And it's very hard, having seen the number of games that I've seen this season, to disagree with him. It's a quality issue. You can organise organize people until the codes come home, but if they don't follow your instructions, 
and they just don't have the ability, then, well, look what happened on Saturday. That's what happens. But surely that squad is good enough quality, though, isn't it? Chris, you look at some of the players, and there's players there with Premier League experience, international experience. And Dougie Freeman isn't the first manager to struggle. Obviously, Owen Coyle before him uh, did, to some extent. So, well, they won game from the playoffs last season. Well, that's what I was about to ask. But why are they struggling? Because we've, we've said... For two seasons now, we've all tipped kind of Bolton to be up there, and they've they've not done it. It's it's a hard one to answer. I mean, games are never won on paper, are they? So you might look at all those players and think, you know, it looks like a, a half decent team could be cobbled together from it. And I agree. I think you know the, the last latter half of the season last year did show that we could go on that kind of run. If you told us when Friedman took over, we'd miss out on the playoffs by goal distance, we'd be amazed. And it took a hell of a run to do that. But maybe the word in response to your question. Uh, is passion. Um, a lot of the forums and the, the, the Bone Wonders fan sites at the minute are circulating a picture that's got Stelios, Janikopoulos, JJ Kocha, Gary Speed, Hierro is in the picture as well, all sort of in a huddle and uh, hugging each other in the, in the middle of the pitch at either a goal or uh, you know some such. And, and that's, that's what's missing because those players played for the team, they played for the club and they looked like they cared. And they had that passion. I think a lot of fans these days are looking at the current Bolton crop. And there's a lot of new imports. There's a lot of players that haven't been at the club very long. And there just seems to be a distinct lack of passion. And we're a positive podcast of the Men in White. We always try to look for the silver lining. But after Saturday's performance, it was so disappointing to see a team 4-0 at half-time. The chance to come out in the second half, not going to win the game. Just show that you're, you're proud and you want to wear the shirt. And they came out and lost that half three one and 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 you know picked up where they left off. So yeah, on paper, fine. That's what everyone says every time Bolton play. That's what everyone said pre season. Go and watch a game and see if you think the players are are giving their all. And you know, if a good player doesn't give it his or his all, then you, you know you're not going to get the result. That being said, David Ngog did pick the ball up out the back of the net. <laughs> he um, did actually. When he scored yeah. the consolation. <laughs> he was good, good intent. We can still get these, lads. We can still get these. Um, Talk to me about about Freeman then, because as we said, very close to getting in the playoffs last season. Last minute goal, wasn't it? Uh, It did for you in the end. Um, Going into this season, presumably full of optimism, four points above above the relegation zone at the end of January. We actually had Mark Isles from the Bolton News on, I think it was in August, wasn't it, Dave? And uh, he was sort of uh, telling us how he thought they'd had a poor start, but things would turn and Freeman would get it right. We're a few months on from that, I think five months on from that. From a fan's perspective, did you think it was going to turn? and do you still think it's going to turn and if not is it not time for him to go um, I don't think it is going to turn this season I think we are looking at a bit of a relegation battle I think we'll win that battle but I don't think we're going to have a run like we did last year is it time for Freeman to go that's a new question in many ways because I don't think the club can afford to, to get rid of him I, I'd love him to succeed I, I don't think there's a single Bolton fan who doesn't want their manager to, to, to do well but Speaking to a lot of the, the supporters on Saturday, more than one of them used the word watershed. And, and, you know, it's a watershed moment, that result, because like you, we came off the back of last year's great run, thinking this season we'd, 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 we'd keep going. But some of the decisions that Friedman made have arguably you know, alienated the fans and alienated the players. He's brought players in on loan. Uh, Joe Mason le- leaps to mind, who, fair enough, put his all in and scored goals, but, but put him straight into the team ahead of players that, that we have at the club, which, you know, you wonder what it means for their motivation. He's chopped and changed his back four throughout the season, sometimes through necessity, but other times just because he didn't seem to know his best lineup. 
that goes also throughout the team. You have players coming in doing well, scoring goals. Even Eagles, arguably, his last appearance was his best performance of the season. And yet he hasn't made an appearance since then. I think it's two or three games now. And, and that's, that's just one example in, in, of many where the, the fans have looked around and said, OK, that's an interesting lineup. What, what happened to such a person? He had a great game last time. So, yeah, we, we did expect to do better. Is it going to turn around this season? It doesn't really look like it, not unless um, that there are big changes in January, but we, we can't afford them. So um, so that's, that's long and short of it. You certainly can't afford them because uh, the reason that uh, Bolton were last in, in the headlines a few weeks ago was because the the announcement of the amazing levels of debt that you've got 163.8 million uh, the vast majority of which is owed to the owner Eddie Davis uh, Phil Gartside the chairman has come out and said he's not particularly concerned it's, you know, Davis isn't going to call in the money anytime soon uh, you know they're not going to go out of business there's a there's a plan to to restructure the finance and, and not be dependent on promotion to the Premier League over the next I think it's three or four years which is all well and good him saying that but the, those figures have got to be concerning to you haven't they? Yeah I hope you're going to buy me a beer after this <laughs> No, 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 they they are very, very concerning. And the point that it's owed to Eddie Davis rather than to the bank is a big one. That that does, you know, negate some of the fear. I mean, you know, fingers crossed, uh, Eddie Davis is on board, and and, and as a club supporter, won't see it go under. But yeah, I mean, as fans, you just it just makes you lose heart even more. Really, and you wonder how a team that was 11 years in the Premier League, two European campaigns, could be running away that allowed it to lose what was hundreds and thousands, hundreds and thousands of pounds a week. I think we calculated for the podcast at one point. We did a daily figure of what it must have been over the last sort of couple of years, and that really does, you know, that really doesn't help with the atmosphere about a club, particularly when on the on the field things aren't going well. But it all comes back to that that nucleus of players point that Friedman made again, perhaps, which is not only are they not performing, a lot of them are on very high salaries. Well, thirty million, um, it's over thirty million, isn't it, the wage bill? Yeah, no, it's very high. I mean, I don't know the actual figure, but it's it's certainly more more in you know sort of reflective of a Premier League club mm. than maybe a, a Championship club fighting for survival. But yeah, I mean that's that's another hangover from 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 those years, and there's also a string of signings made by the various managers we've had. It's a shame we had Allardyce for eight years, and now we seem to be going through them like uh, Chris out of a bag. But uh, you know, since the Allardyce years, signed so many players that have gone for little or, or nothing subsequently that you know that 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 debt's just continued to grow. Fingers crossed, Eddie Davis is around for a good while, but um, yeah, it is a it is a concern, but perhaps better than than owing the bank. Chris, I, I guess I just. It shows really the, the danger um, and and the importance of of not allowing yourself to have a bad season when you're in the Premier League for as long as you were, and you probably were thinking, oh, you know, we're stabilised, yeah. we're not, you know, we're a couple of years, cup finals, cup semi-finals, it was all going well, even under Owen Coyle for a time, it seemed to be going decently, and you know, mm. Gary, Gary Megson was there, wasn't he? But one bad season as you had the, uh, under Owen Coyle. And, it, you know, you, you're you're set up to live in the Premier League and you just can't cope at the, at the championship level, such as the massive drop in income, you know, the players that are on these massive contracts and if you don't structure them right, they're still on them and you can't sell them. And if you do, you know, if you do get rid of them, you have to take a hit because no one's going to buy them. Mm. Um, so it really does show the importance of getting those decisions right on managers, on on players' contracts and, and making sure that you don't fall foul of, of a bad season, which you know, there's probably 10 clubs in the Premier League now that could easily be in this picture in a few years' time. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm going to need a chaser as well, am I? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no. The um, I think there was a quote a while back actually in the in the the, the glory years from from the chairman saying, you know, we're we're not going to get relegated now. We're we, we, we are, as you say, stable and, and we can we can look up these days rather than down. And when you finish in the top eight, I think it's three, three seasons on the trot, you, you maybe forgive people for thinking like that. But obviously that, that mentality maybe penetrated the negotiations room as well. And, and some of these contracts that we're left with, yeah, have, have, have crippled us to an extent. And you're right to say, you know, beware of the clubs, you know, keep an eye out on, on, on what, you're, what, you're, what you're setting up and what you're agreeing to because... I don't think we're the only club in that position. And also, yeah, if you're borrowing off the bank and not an individual, then be, be, be doubly careful. Chris, I'm just looking at the table, sort of looking forward to the last 20 games of the season. Bolton are obviously going to have to win more games at home because you've only won two home games all season. Eight draws at the Reebok. And what's the atmosphere been like at those home games? And have attendances been as high as you would hope? I don't think attendances are as high as you would hope. I mean, you would hope for a full stadium every week back in the, the glory days with some of those players that I mentioned earlier, you know, you'd be getting 25, 26,000 week in, week out. I don't think that the attendance has been terrible given the position that we're in, you know, 15 to 18, something like that. There's, there was a run um, when, when things were going badly of the, the fans starting to boo decisions. Um, but at the same time, you look on Saturday, uh, it was an away game, but that, that, that approach by the Bournemouth fans was, was exemplary. We were, chin up lads, get on with this. We were chanting, we were we were having a laugh. We were getting behind the players as much as we could, albeit on that occasion it was it was a fell on slightly deaf ears, shall we say? Um, but no, I think that the fans have uh, maybe understandably let the poor season get to them a little bit, and they just need picking up. I mean, who knows? We've got Cardiff at home in the cup. Maybe maybe a little cup run could could inject a bit of excitement into That's what the I was club. Next, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, you, the, the attendances have been, I think, fairly decent for this level and the the, the position we are in the league. Maybe we've been booing and a little bit depressed, but then can you blame us after the, the string of facts you've bombarded with me? Well, <laughs> I think it's about time, Chris. You know, as Mark said, there you've won two games at home this season. You've, you know, we've talked about the debt of the club. We've got a team we don't know what they're doing. So please give us something positive to kind of like end on at least. What positives can the club? You've mentioned perhaps you know they should be able to get out of a relegation scrap if they end up finding themselves in it. What positives are there at the club that they can take away in the next couple of months? Got to be a cup run, surely. Yeah. There have been good performances from this Bolton Wonders football team. It would be silly to say it's all been doom and gloom. The game against Forrester a couple of weeks ago, yeah, we drew 1-1 at home. We should have won it. We, we were knocking on the door throughout the game, uh, and it was a really, really strong performance. I don't know quite how we followed it up with the Reading game. But there are on-paper good players, and there is the potential to get them working together. We've been linked with, I think, Danny Graham during the transfer window as well, maybe Maybe if we can afford reinforcements in the form of loans, that could spice things up. But I, I think that the positives are that on occasion, uh, the Blackpool game and the Cup will be another example. When we go out there, a discipline, do, our, do the jobs well, we've come away with points and, and we have come away with the odd win again. But we do struggle against teams in the top half. And I think we have to look at those, those home fixtures against the teams around us. And, and uh, you know, that's... that's that's the kind of talk that you're left with when you're in a relegation battle, which I think we are. But I do think that the players on their day you know, are, are capable of winning games. Have you written a song about Saturday's game yet, Chris? That's what I want to know. 
I'm not actually. Um, I, I think something maybe Radiohead is suitably depressing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Good no, stuff. We, we, we do do the odd pastiche number. We'll have to we'll have to uh, look at the, the sort of teenage angst years from from, from from ten years ago and find out what was what was popular then. Good stuff. Thanks for coming on, mate. We appreciate it. Go and get a beer after that. I think you probably need it. Uh, that is Chris Parr, presenter of the Men in White podcast. You can find out more and listen to it by searching for it on iTunes or by going to themeninwhite.com. Next, we're going to switch our attention to a man who was actually assistant manager at Bolton for six years, as I'm sure you remember. He's now down in League Two and looking to guide Southend United to promotion, Mr. Phil Brown. So to Roots Hall then, where it finished Southend 3, Chesterfield nil on Saturday. It was the visitors' first defeat in seven games and a victory that moves the Shrimpers above them up to fourth in the table. Just one point off the automatic places now. In fact, it's a run, uh, by my calculations, of just uh, one defeat in their last 15 games in all competitions for Southend. And it's the perfect way to set up this game on Saturday against Hull City, Phil Brown's old club, for a place in the fifth round in the FA Cup. I'm pleased to say that joining us on the line now is a man who covers the club week in week out uh, it is Chris Phillips the Southend United reporter for the Southend Echo Chris first of all thank you very much for coming on the show uh, secondly tell us all about the performance at the weekend was that one of the best you've seen from Southend so far this season definitely for 70 minutes or so Southend were absolutely fantastic they were up against one of their main promotion rivals I would say that Chesterfield are probably one of the best sides that Southend have played already this season they play good football they pass the ball around well but 70 minutes, Southend battered them really. They went 3-0 up and were by far the better of the sides. They looked fantastic, had the ball on the deck and were playing some really good stuff. But towards the end, Southend maybe relaxed a little bit too much. Chesterfield came into the game, they missed a penalty and Daniel Bentley, probably one of the most promising players in, in the lower leagues, the Southend United goalkeeper, again showed why he's just got such a fantastic reputation in the game with some stunning saves and Arguably, he, he was a man of the match, which seems strange when Southend have gone on to win 3 0. Do you think that there'll be uh, several scouts down uh, at Roots Hall for the game against Hull to look at Bentley? Definitely. One of the first things Phil Brown said after the game was that he can't wait for the transfer window to shut because he wants Daniel Bentley to, to stay a Southend player. And he's a local lad, so he's got good affinity with the club and with the fans, but he's got 11 clean sheets already this season, and, and Southend boasts the second best defensive record in League Two. It's only Oxford United that have. Uh, conceded fewer goals already this season. He's 20 years of age, which is young for any player, let alone a goalkeeper who, who go on well into their late 30s. So for me, definitely, there can't be too many brighter prospects in, in the lower leagues than, than Daniel Bentley, but I don't want to talk about him too much because I like to see him <laughs> doing well. So I don't want to see anyone come in and, and, and take him away. But it's a tricky one, obviously, at a young age. It is good to, to get games. If he was to move on now, would he get the same exposure and experience at another club? I don't know, but... Uh, I think there definitely will be interest in him because he is a fantastic talent and one that Phil Brown's already said will, will go on to play for England during his career. Wow, it's, it's scary to think that if he's only 20 and he's a goalkeeper, he could be playing professional football in about the year 2030, something like that, couldn't yeah, he? Yeah, probably very scary. will. Look at his date of birth. I think he was born in sort of like 1993. Don't do it. I remember my dad saying the same thing so I've reached that age as well and obviously Steve Bruce manager of Hull you remember him being a player as well so uh, I'm, I'm definitely getting to the stage where I'm past it so I'm feeling very old indeed that uh, the 20 year old goalkeepers are, are, are playing and the former pros that I watched them and had them in my sticker book and now managing teams that I'm uh, South End are coming up against I know uh, another player that you could 
I say could be at risk of losing is Kevin Hurst because his contract runs out in the summer. I know Phil Brown's doing all he can to get him to sign an extension, but he's been obviously incredibly influential this season with 10 goals. Where's that come from this season? How, how influential has he been? He's been incredibly influential as well. He's Southend's driving force in, in the final third of the field. He's very much their main creative outlet. I think last season he got something like 18 assists. He had more assists than any other player in the Football League at, at one stage and he got more assists than anyone else in, in League Two come the end of the season. He, he faded away towards the end of last season, in, in all honesty. He started well and then a huge number of games that Southend had with their JPT run. He seemed to sort of tire out. He missed the start of this season with a bit of an ankle injury, I think it was, but just recently he's, he's been in fantastic form and Southend have have changed formation and they're playing 4-3-3 and he's very much on the, on the right-hand side of an attacking three. So he's got more of an, an outlet now to get forward. He hasn't got to do quite so much of defensive work, which he has done maybe in the past. And I think that's resulted in, in a high number of goals. I think prior to this season, the highest that he'd ever got was something like six or seven. And, and you're right, he's already up for 10 for the season. He's got fantastic deliveries. He's almost like um, a lower league David Beckham in the fact that he hasn't got a, a turn of speed. He hasn't got that much skill, but he's just got fantastic delivery and he doesn't have to, to beat a man to, to get a fantastic ball into the box. So he really is a quality player. And, and you're right, he's one that Southend will be very much wanting to keep. I understand that they, they met with his agent on, on Friday to open contract negotiations. So they are trying to keep him at the club. And it sounds like... He probably will stay. Um, he seems very settled at the club. He's making all the right noises. So hopefully he's one that the South End will be able to keep hold of because he is a huge talent, especially in League Two. Chris, I'm going to uh, lay my my cards down on the table <laughs> before one of these two mentions it. I was about to say. Oh, yeah, I was at the start it. of the season, I I picked uh, South End as one of my teams to potentially be relegated from League Two. Um, but obviously it's gone in completely the other direction, having a fantastic season despite a little bit of a slow start. What exactly has Phil Brown done in terms of tactics, team selection, and motivation? What's he done to inspire such a fine season just over the halfway stage for Southend? It's strange really because obviously the financial restrictions that the Southend currently find themselves under are well documented. The club remain under a transfer embargo and obviously that's frustrating for him and it means that any injuries and suspensions are obviously very hardly hit for Southend but in a way it's almost worked in their favour because the, the squad that they've got 20 man squad is incredibly tight and I know it's a bit of a cliche but I think it very much is that, that spirit that's getting Southend through at the moment they work very hard if you're being entirely honest there maybe isn't a lot of creative quality Kevin Hurst aside in in the team at the moment but they're just very very hard working they're very well organised they don't concede many goals the midfield three have all got incredible energy they're all over the pitch they're in the opponent's faces and they're just hard to break down they're hard to play against and they're coming up with the goods when when they need to the goals are being spread around the side really Kevin Hurst the, the top scorer with 10 but other than him they're, they're being shared around the side and they're just I don't know it's, I mean you're right Southend were tipped to struggle this season, especially the way they ended last season. Phil Brown didn't get off to the greatest of starts when he first came in, but he recruited very well indeed with the likes of John White and, and Will Atkinson and people like that coming in. So he signed good players, he's got a good team spirit, he's got them well organised, and that will take you a long way in, in League Two. And right now, Southend look a real force to be reckoned with. Tell us about uh, Ryan Leonard. 
Chris, who uh, scored again at the weekend, didn't he? He's been in great form too. Yeah, Ryan Leder is completely unrecognisable from the player <laughs> who was with Southend for his first two seasons. He came to the club as, as a right-back, but at the time, Southend had Sean Clehessey, who, who was player of the year last year, and ever present, and, and it was hard for Ryan to, to get into the team. They played him on the right-hand side of, of midfield, and he, he drifted in and out of the side, really. He picked up injuries. He never really got a run of games, but eventually it was diagnosed that um, he had one leg longer than the other um, and once they got to the uh, the bottom of that and managed to get a few insoles into his shoes his um his injury problems have, have dried up touchwood and and this season he's just been a revelation he's gone into the the center of midfield and he's probably been right up there with south end's best players he's been, he's been captain for the last two games he's strong can't he doesn't stop running he's got four goals in his last four games and he's very much south end's danger man at the moment and being honest, you, you didn't really see it because the first couple of seasons he was steady, but he wasn't anything spectacular. But at the moment, he, he's been superb and he very much is uh, the one to watch in, in a blue shirt for me at the moment. Can I ask about the style of play? What kind of football is Southend playing? Yeah, it's a, a good talking point, actually, as far as um, Southend are concerned. In the past couple of seasons, they had, they had Paul Sturrock in charge and on the whole, the results were good, but there was an ongoing debate among the supporters Few of them called it hoofball rather than football, and, and Southend were having quite a direct approach going from back to front quite early on, and it did sort of antagonise a few supporters who'd been used to Southend's traditional play of trying to get the ball down and, and playing a bit of football. But that's definitely what what Southend are doing this season. They pass the ball around very nicely indeed. They've got mentioned Ryan Leonard, Will Atkinson, Kevin Hurst, Michael Timlin, Anthony Straker, Barry Corr. They've, throughout the side, there's people that are sort of playing football and they can battle as well when they need to, which is obviously a creative quality that you need to have in, in League Two. You need to be able to roll your sleeves up and, and get stuck in. But to be honest, Southend are really trying to play the ball around this season. They play the ball out of the back. It might get them in, in, in trouble one or two times, but uh, on the whole, they're playing a lot more attractive football this season, and, and, and so far, it seems to be doing the job for them. And of course, uh, the next game on Saturday afternoon, 3 o'clock, it's Southend uh, against Premier League Hull City, knocking out Millwall in the last round, which, you know, a team from the Championship, uh, but they were in terrible, terrible form under Steve Lomas at the time. Hull will be a completely different prospect, uh, doing reasonably well. Uh, certainly the best of the three promoted sides in the Premier League this season. Uh, so it's going to be a real tough game, and I'm actually surprised that this wasn't put on TV. Yeah, I think uh, I think we all are, really. You look at it, and it's got the romance of the FA Cup written all over it. A League Two side that are doing well, own ground, the pitch is going to cut up against a, a Premier League side. I mean, the chances of a an upset are slim if we're being honest but there's always a slight chance that it might happen and surely seeing a game like that's got to be more interested than is it Chelsea Stone yeah Chelsea like that. that's the one who, who really wants to watch that to be honest you can see that every week in the in the Premier League but I suppose Chelsea have got a, a worldwide audience which may appeal to sponsors and things like that so that might be behind the decision but it's one that everyone's really looking forward to there's a buzz around the town at South End at the moment as you said it's one defeat in 15 games so South End couldn't really be going into it in, in better shape and there's been a lot of tough times in South End over the years so when these good times come along you have to make the most of them and that's what everyone seems to be doing at the moment. I think the ground's going to be close to being sold out. Everyone will be getting right behind the side. And as far as Southend concerned, there's nothing really to lose, really. They're up against a, a Premier League side, so everyone expects them to lose. So they can go out and give it a go. And 
I tell you what, if they if they can play the way they did against Millwall and the way they have done in one or two of their last few league games, then they might have a slight chance of causing upset if if Hull aren't at the top of their game. And uh, Chris, just looking at the the, the table, Southend are now a point behind Rochdale and Burton, so they're right in this in this mix. But there's so many teams up there. I mean, what would be an achievement at the end of the season? Would it be playoffs? Would it be now they're in the, this position? Would it be automatic promotion? What what did the fans think? Yeah, I think from where Southend has been and where they were at the end of last season, I think a top seven finish would be a fantastic achievement. But the form that the club are in at the moment and how they've been playing in the last few games, I think you've got to realistically say that the Southend should be aiming for the top three. We've passed the halfway mark of the season now and there hasn't really been anything that Southend need to be frightened of. It's a very, very tight division. It's very close and it'll go right to the end of the season. But having worked their way into this situation, I think Southend have got to push on from here now and really aim for that top three. So I think automatic promotion is definitely the main aim. And a couple of years ago, they just missed out on the top three the last game of the season ended up in the playoffs and there's often the way it was crew that sneaked in right at the end and they went on to, to get promotion. So I don't think anybody wants to be in the playoffs again after after that experience a couple of years ago. So they'll be going all out to, to finish in the top three and you'd have to say the chances are that, that Southend can do that as long as they can stay clear of injuries and, and suspensions which may hinder them under the terms of their transfer embargo then I think Southend have, have every chance of doing well this year. And the biggest uh, reason to give Southend fans hope of what make promotion is that last season I tipped Palace and Port Vale to be relegated so <laughs> you're up. Yeah, can you just tip Southend not to get promotion then? That might be the, uh, <laughs> yeah. can I say? the secret. Just say they're definitely going to lose the hole and definitely lose uh, all the games they if, have um, left this season then we might do quite well. If Southend do go up we don't want Phil Brown on the pitch singing if possible. <laughs> Please tell me that wouldn't happen. I'm not too sure. They made him sing at the uh, the Christmas party so so oh, yeah. he might be getting a taste for it again. And, but did he, he did or did he volunteer? <laughs> no, well, I, I wasn't actually there, but he said that they made him sing White Christmas. He, he went for so <laughs> of course he has they to did. sing something different, I guess. He wouldn't really be singing that in May time, but uh, he hasn't done any team talks on the pitch yet, so he's, uh, <laughs> still he's time. that one as well. Still time. Chris, uh, nice to talk to you. Enjoy the weekend. Thank you very much indeed. Thank Cheers. You. That's uh, Chris Phillips, who's the Southend United reporter for the Southend Echo. Right now, it's time for another edition of My Club, the bit of the show where we give Football League fans 120 five seconds to tell us all about their side remember all to celebrate the 125th anniversary of the Football League and today the focus is on Morecambe this is We Are Going Up my club in 125 seconds hi I'm Matt Fees my club is Morecambe so Matt do you remember your first ever Morecambe home game I'm guessing it was at Christie Park not the Globe Arena uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, I don't actually remember. I think I was too young at the time to remember what game it was or anything like that. And I used to get taken down by my dad and uncle. So uh, it would have been God, probably early 90s, something like that. But I can't remember exactly who it was against or, or when, to be honest. Who's your favourite Morecambe manager of all time? God, well, I've only I've seen three in my whole lifetime. But I would probably say um, Jim Bentley at the moment. I mean, um, you know, he's working absolute miracles, to be honest with you at the club so yeah I'll say Jim uh, Matt what about in terms of players who's your favourite one of those well I currently really like Kevin Ellison come on gotta be Kev yeah he's to me of a wind up merchant I think you know absolutely brilliant entertainment but uh, all time I'd probably say Michael Twist you know, absolutely fantastic player for his back in the conference and you know he was one of those players who could just win a game on his own on his day what's your opinion of Christy the cat <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't understand why we don't have a massive shrimp to be honest but uh, <laughs> you know I'm sure that the kids would love that seven foot shrimp parading around the ground but uh, 
But no, Chris, Chris is a cat. He's entertaining enough. He's calmed down a bit from his old days now. He's probably got a telling off from his run-ins with Tony Roberts over the years. Oh, but, is he one of these controversial uh, mascots? Mm. I see, I see. Yeah, um, yeah. In terms of uh, best moment, Wembley getting promoted back to the league, would that be it? Yeah, you'd have to say that, really. I mean, the cat picked, you know, nothing else comes close to it, really. Just, you know, that, the whole day and uh, Danny Carlton's winner as well. Absolutely brilliant. And of course, we have to ask you, are the pies at Morecambe really as good as they say they are? <laughs> Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Can you can you um, give us a top three? And leek ones. I only eat the chicken ham and leek ones, so I've not no idea which. Are, which the fact is, chicken sell, ham and leek is uh, impressive. It's not much variety in twenty years, is it, Matt? One pie. <laughs> no, well, yeah, we've done more. Um, but like I said, they're the ones that they sold in Harrods, and I've, you know they're that good. I've not sort of uh, decided to Fair go. Fair It's good enough for Harrods. Can't argue with that, Matt. Your two minutes is yeah. up. Thank you very much. No worries. Thank you. My club in one hundred and twenty-five seconds. We are going up. We've got the football league covered. Right, so we'll have another one of those on the show as per usual next week. And I think I calculated we've done, I think, 26 of the 72 clubs on my club so far. So we've got to get through quite a We're lot. in. start doing more than one a week. Aren't we? There's no order to it either. You're going to forget one. Right, well, we'll maybe maybe towards the end we'll stick like two or three in a show or something. Just release my club. Let's have a special show on it. Let's, um, let's focus on what's been going on in the Football League this week then with our roundup. We're going to start at the top of the Championship where on Saturday lunchtime, Leicester won 1-0 at Leeds thanks to an 88th minute winner from David Nugent. The scoreline was desperately harsh on Leeds, uh, DC, but Leicester looking more and more impressive as the weeks go on. You've got to say at the moment, six wins in a row now. Yeah, and it was a good goal by, by Nugent, wasn't it? Kevin Phillips Great dummy. played a little part with the, with the dummy. Of course he did. Um, 40 years young. And I think, I think we uh, legally have to call him veteran striker whenever we talk about him. Don't we veteran striker, Kevin yep. Phillips? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Evergreen and I all that. I think Pearson uh, said that he wants him to get involved in the coaching setup at the club after he eventually retires. I don't think he's going anywhere yet, Nigel. <laughs> no, he wants another keep, promotion on this record. He wants joining clubs every And we certainly wouldn't bet against him doing that at the moment, would you? Because they're, as you said, they were fantastic, weren't they, the week before? Absolutely rampant. Um, and they didn't play as well this week, which we, we sort of maybe predicted last week, mm-hmm. didn't we? Kasper Schmeichel made some important saves. So, Absolutely, uh, but they got the win. So uh, five points clear now, I think, at the top from uh, QPR, who are in second. Um, disappointing for Leeds, sorry, before we move on to QPR, because they, they do need to get a win soon, as much as they played very well. Up, couldn't they, if Ross McCormack puts away that absolutely uh, you know easy chance to clean it through? Perhaps an over-reliance for Ross McCormack in the team. I mean, he's, yeah, he's not scored that made, many in recent made weeks. a few new signings in recent weeks. Uh, Jimmy Kebe and Cameron Stewart, mm-hmm. who, who unfortunately for them both made their debuts in the 6-0 thrashing against Sheffield Wednesday. As we talked about, yeah. Um, but, you know, those two will certainly be looking to not in terms of not take all the goal burden because neither of them are strikers but certainly look to provide Ross McCormack and, and the other forward players with, with chances Well McCormack's now the captain of course because mm. wearing the captain's armband on Saturday uh, Great weekend then for QPR as I mentioned and also Derby and Forest because Burnley were held by Sheffield Wednesday and they, look like they were unlucky mm. they made some great saves there they Great save the at the end as well. yeah. um, You know it was Danny Ings again knocking at the door. Vokes was the one that got the goal this week, but they looked like they're unfortunate. But you know, equally good defending and good performance in goal from Chris Kirtland for Sheffield Wednesday. It's a really good point for them. QPR beat Huddersfield two one. Two goals from Charlie Austin. Uh, DC it's an over reliance though on Charlie Austin there. You I know think he's looking for another striker. Their isn't he? second highest goal scorer has got three. It's an over reliance by by default though, isn't it? Because they don't really have any other strikers. I mean, Zamora and Johnson are still on the books, but they 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 can barely keep they've fit been, they've for, been for dying two weeks off in a row. Is eight years ago. Yeah, yeah. and and Austin, you know two good goals at the weekend and a slightly unfortunate Huddersfield though I mean Mark Robbins said that the first 45 minutes was the best that he's seen during his time at the club 
Lackey Wells has hit the ground running. Uh, they were playing well. They just didn't take a few of their chances. Danny Ward had a really good chance to put them one up in the first half. Didn't take it. Could have been different if he does that. And, you know, QPR's quality told in the end. They bring on a player like Matt Phillips who, who had, an, had an impact at the end of the game. They've signed uh, Joe Lolly as well, haven't they, from Kidderminster? Yeah. He's played, he scored uh, the, what's the, the stat? He's played like eight levels of, of yeah. football well, in nine months. playing in the 10th tier. Is Incredible. He's got a winning, winning goal against Peterborough in the FA Cup yeah. replay, didn't he, last week? Uh, so, um, yeah, QPR winning by two goals to one. You scored for Derby, didn't you? I did. Good, a good effort. <laughs> Back of the net, left footed. It's scary, isn't it? It really is. Well, I was watching the, 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 the highlights the, the, the slow mo, the repo is about to take the free kick. It's I, you. The thing, you know what? I mean, I always, Where were you I always, on Saturday? I always, I was always getting paper. excited watching it, thinking like it's almost as look as if I was a professional footballer. <laughs> um, and Forrest looked magnificent, thrashing uh, Blackburn by four goals to one. There, ten games unbeaten, and coming into form at just the right time. We've um, obviously talked a lot about Bolton and the seven-one defeat at Reading. What about that from a Reading perspective? You did mention they'd only scored two goals in five games beforehand. Mm. They are back in the playoff picture now. What chance do you think they've got of, uh, of going up? Well, before that, last weekend, I would have said they need to score more goals. Um, but then they <laughs> score them all in one game. Um, they're kind of a funny team, aren't they, Reading? Like, they, they've, not, they've not been outstanding yeah, at I don't think they've played season, that well. But, but, but they're, they're still there, they are. still right in the picture. Um, elsewhere in the Championship, down the bottom, what a weekend for the, the bottom sides. <laughs> Yeovil with a win at Birmingham. Barnsley uh, with a 2-0 win at home to Blackpool. I'm sure we'll come on to Blackpool in a second. Doncaster, who saw that coming? Beating Wigan by three goals to nil. And Millwall with a win um, against Ipswich, uh, which made did a very bad weekend for Charlton who lost 1-0 at Middlesbrough but uh, that Doncaster win in particular seven defeats in eight games before that so Paul Dickoff needed that that was a real coupon buster massive result wasn't it and it's, some of the, the goals were really poor from Wigan's point of view was it the second goal where it kind of ball rebounded and he got the rebound yeah. off the keeper yeah. and dribbled in under the under yeah. the keeper went in Coppinger really, yeah really poor indeed um, but a brilliant result for Doncaster 3-0 a comfortable victory and it's happened. It, has, it was about a month ago or so, wasn't it, that all the bottom teams won? So they do keep pulling results out of the fire, just as you think they might be looking kind of like they're going to be uh, going to be cut adrift, so to speak. But they're, they're right in there, and you, you would be worried if you're a Charlton fan. Sheffield Wednesday form have picked up, as we mentioned just a bit earlier. So Bolton, you've got to be worried as well, even though you're four points clear of the relegation zone. They're right bang in it. I mean, I... Oh, looking at that table. I mean, got a Birmingham, even Birmingham, and then the next two clubs above that is Watford and Bournemouth. Watford. <laughs> we're not the we're, we're not. Uh, Ipswich haven't won since Boxing Day. You know why, don't you? Because he got rid of the beard. He's got rid of the beard. Mm. They've not won since. Absolutely. Yeah. So that that just shows you if you if you've got a superstition in football and things are going your way, Keep it. change it at your peril. Unbelievable. Um, Paul Inson. Well, he's still there, isn't he's he? He's still there. Was, how how is last he night? There, I was thinking we, 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 was maybe thinking, we're going to cover Blackpool on the show yeah. this week, but he, he's still there, so we can't. Save thought, that to next week point? when he's yeah. uh, no longer in a job, probably. What a, again, another good start to the season. Yeah, do you remember when we had Will on earlier in the season, and we, we were talking about how they were they kept winning, they were still up there, and complete turnaround. And what's this run? They've lost nine out of ten. I, I mean, I'd be quite happy for any Blackpool fan to disagree with me here because obviously I don't watch them week in, week out. I just see the highlights on the Football League show. Um, but Tom Ince basically kept them up last season. He got an incredible amount of goals. He got loads of assists as well. Unlucky to not get player of the season, really. Or Zaha got it in the end. Um, but this season, I just wonder if maybe he's holding them back, strange as that, even though he's clearly their best player. Because they could cash in on him, get 
big money for him. You might even get 10 million for well, him or something of, in that region. Well, that's what exactly. I was just going to say. Monaco's the latest yeah. thing to be linked to him. Cash in on him, and then, and then you can invest in that team. You know, tell the chairman, look, we need the money for the team, Carl. You can't keep it in the club's coffers. We need to reinvest in this team uh, and, and help us rise back up the table because they did have a good start to the season, but they've fallen off the face of a cliff now. Relegation form over the last few months. And, you know, you don't want to be relying on Tom Ince to bail them out again because he might not be able to do it, you know, again, all on his own. So you can't, like you said, a few teams are already re- relying on one player. It's always a dangerous situation to be in. You've got to spread the quality and spread the goals throughout the team. And they can do that if they sell a big asset like this. I think it's. you're quite right. The match reports suggest that, you know, he looked completely disinterested. Just the time comes when you've got to accept. You're in the transfer window now. Do it, I think, I'd say. Before we uh, leave the championship, I'm sure you want to mention the, the wrong Watford player getting sent off oh, by that ref at Bournemouth. wasn't it? What yeah. was that all about? Well, it was Ekstrand and Fitz Hall who were running back with... Um, Mark Hughes? No, no, Lewis Graben. Lewis Graben, Lewis that's Graben. right. And... Um, the it looked like Ekstrand was the one that slid in and made the foul but but then if you look at the the linesman when he flagged for the penalty he made a gesture as if it was a shirt pull which would which would have meant it would have been Fitz Hall that was the one that should have been booked and he sends off Gabriel Angela who's who'd scored the goal for us to put us one nil up and he's nowhere near the play uh, and he gets sent off we have appealed uh, it should be rescinded I, I don't know whether that means Fitz Hall will subsequently serve a ban I'm not sure exactly what will happen as a, as a result of that staggering piece of incompetence from the <laughs> referee and his assistant uh, and then they go and give a penalty another penalty uh, later on in the game which could have lost us the game were it not for Manuel Almunia's double save Mark Pugh and he's saying that oh I'm, I'm travelling so fast and he was he posted on Twitter this earlier when I was travelling so fast and the slightest bit of contact can take you down rubbish he was past Almunia and Fitzgerald don't get me started he on this he could have scored he could have scored and he was, goes down theatrically it was ridiculous and why, I'm glad why, that why, justice was done why does contact I mean sorry this is going on to the, the Suarez thing in the Premier League as well let's obviously not talk specifically about that but why does contact when you go past the keeper mean it's a foul Absolutely. Contact anywhere else on the pitch is not necessarily a foul. And it, and it it's can a also, contact sport. It can also work exactly the other way around. It was the Charlton game where Chris Powell um, was, was up in arms that Simon Church's goal got, got disallowed because he said Church only had eyes for the ball. Well, you can yeah. you can make contact with a player and foul someone without yeah. meaning to do so. And you can, you can also the other way around. You can make contact with a player and that doesn't necessarily mean it's a foul. It works both ways. And it doesn't seem to be any, again and again and again, with any refereeing the situation, there doesn't seem to be any real consistency. The rules of the penalty box are very mystical ones. <laughs> perhaps have been unanswered. Well, yeah. especially when you're sending off the wrong bloke completely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, League One, Leighton Orient, back top of the table. They're 10th away. Away, league winner of the season they've won twice away from home in the last seven days since the last show at Shrewsbury in midweek and then at Crewe on Saturday Chris Dagnall's come in it was, I mean they've brought him in on and two goals you know, coming off the bench I believe he's been particularly unprolific anywhere other than probably Rochdale in his career and now all of a sudden they've got someone who can score goals alongside mm. Yeah, well, these little moments here and there, yeah. little flashes of quality. Scored, scored some nice goals, I believe, for, for, for Scunthorpe. I think scored some nice goals for Barnsley as well. You know, just these little moments that I seem to remember of the last few seasons, where he, you know he scores a nice goal and then you don't hear about him again for maybe for, for a few months. And the first goal in particular was a really nicely taken goal, good run in behind, left foot across the keeper. Uh, and Leighton Orient needed a bit of help, didn't they, with the injuries mm. that they've had? And you know he's going to contribute. Brentford drew Walsall just below them, so they're now in second. The Wolves game was called off. Rotherham won at Shrewsbury. They're still in the playoffs but we've got to talk about that Frank Musa goal for Coventry away at Preston in the 97th minute just sat up perfect for him didn't it absolutely spanked at home absolutely fantastic strike 
Uh, if you're being picky, I would say the Preston <laughs> defender, you know, he's cleared it into a poor area there, right back into the middle of the pitch. Get out if of play. Get, if that's in the stand in the last kick of the game, you've, you've got the victory, haven't you? And just before that, Kevin Davies being sent off with a, a very rash challenge mm. uh, from behind, and he seemed to be up in arms, couldn't really understand it. But from a man of his experience, uh, although I know he does like a foul, don't, he's not been sent off too many times in his career, to just, be fair. Just plenty of bookings for, yeah. for the barge. Um, I think, you know, that, that would be, dis- be disappointing for him, because you know, they need him. He's been good, Lucian. He's been, he's yeah. been in been in the goals scored in yeah, scored, scored and got sent off I mean, on I Saturday my mention just while we're at the top there as well Walsall who did stop Brentford's incredible Invincible run, a team that not quite in the playoffs. Invincible, great. It's a new one on me. Yeah, um, just uh, managed to you know get the draw against Brentford. And I just wonder if they can sneak in there in the playoffs. If they can pick up points like Absolutely. that against teams like that. They, they go under the radar. We rarely mention them, uh, do we? And, and who knows? Well, you, I mean, you're right to mention them because again, you know, they lost the, the two best players in the summer, yep. um, Will Grigg and Jamie Patterson, who, who both left uh, Grigg to Brentford and Patterson to Nottingham Forest. He's, he's picked up now, hasn't he? But they're still right there in the playoff picture Dean Smith's done a fantastic job and he, he's a manager uh, when I was uh, talking to Millwall fans when they were trying to replace um, Steve Lomas they were saying well who can we have who, who's good enough in the lower leagues I want, to, I want someone with experience and Dean Smith was the name that I, I gave them if you were looking for someone in League One who, who wouldn't be very expensive and has done an excellent job on, on you know a shoestring budget bought through young players he's certainly someone I think clubs are going to be looking at but he's doing a great job at Walsall uh, in his own right Big win for Peterborough wasn't it against Tranmere on Saturday because Darren McAntony had to come out in midweek and issue the dreaded vote of confidence in Darren Ferguson. They'd lost 9-12 in 12 before that game, including that embarrassing exit to Kinnaminster in the mm. FA Cup in midweek. But they did look back to form on Saturday. Nicky Josie, a man who's been at that club for a couple of years, but been out on loan pretty much at every other club yeah. while he's been there, finally scored his first goal for the club and Britt Sombolonga hit 20, or has hit now 20 for the season. Goals. You could have done with them, couldn't you? We could have. Even if, even if he'd scored 10 for us, if he'd stayed in the Championship, would have done. We, we just need someone with a bit of pace and he's, he's got that by the looks of things and actually he's been a bit out of sorts recently he hasn't, hasn't, quite, team looked, hasn't quite obviously yeah along with the rest of the team hasn't quite looked the same but he did get his 20th goal and he's had a you know that move's really been fantastic for him OK down to the bottom of League 1 this is something we haven't really talked about a lot this season we touched on the top of League 2 and the top of League 1 and the bottom of League 2 what about the bottom of League 1 because Notts County have won three games in a row the latest one nil at Stevenage they're up to 16th so you've got Notts County Oldham Carlisle on 27 Sheffield United Shrewsbury on 26 Tranmere Bristol City Crew and Stevenage uh, all in the relegation spots at the moment in fact uh, six of the bottom eight lost at the weekend Bristol City and Sheffield United the two big teams down there drew how do you assess that with uh, with 20 games to go not good for Stevenage is it and they've got Everton haven't they in the cup at the weekend they have uh, which on the telly be, as well you know, perhaps a welcome respite for them and you know, they can give it a real on the TV maybe the cup run can inspire them as we've talked about with, with Bolton and with, with Southend but it's, it's, it doesn't look good for Wesley uh, and Stevenage look um, at Cruz goal difference minus 28 oh, appalling isn't it they've um, had a bad season this year, this year. I can feel a phone call to Hugh Wilson coming on yeah, yeah. but going 1-0 up against Leighton Orient you thought maybe they could hold on Anuke, uh, Chukes Anuke had a good chance to, to make it 2 as well so that's a missed opportunity for them Bristol City we've talked about at some length various points this season Tranmere um, have just signed, re-signed Jake Cassidy who was the player that scored a lot of goals for them in the first half of last season when they were up right at the top end of the division and he left to go back to Wolves in January and uh, subsequently their, their form not just not solely because of him but he was one of the reasons why perhaps they didn't keep up the form in the second half of the season so they've got him back because he's not been playing at Wolves this season he's down the pecking order so that's a good sign for them maybe he can lift them out of the, the bottom four and Notts County as you say three wins in a row I mean okay, not going to say they're safe but a change in manager has eventually started to pay off now Sean Derry and yep. that's what some of these clubs are probably going 
their need. League two, then we talked about Southend's big win earlier. Scunny were held by Wimbledon. Uh, Rochdale absolutely rampant again, destroyed Plymouth 3-0. They're looking very good at the moment. Accrington Stanley winning at Cheltenham, but uh, their manager, James Beattie, has been fined 20 grand. In fact, the club have been fined 20 grand because he didn't have the right coaching qualifications. Yeah, most, most of the fines been suspended, at least. Yeah. So they, don't well, they obviously can't afford right. it, can no, they? Exactly. It was a brilliant tweet going doing the rounds earlier on. I, I, think, I don't know whether someone modified it or whether Sky did actually tweet this first first off the bat. Obviously, as you as you correctly say, they've been fined because he hasn't got the right qualifications, and, and that, that's fine. But the tweet that was going around was, uh, the FA fine, or the Football League fine, Alvin Stanley, £20,000 for appointing James Beattie as manager. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I, well, uh, at first glance, I thought was a bit harsh. Very harsh. <laughs> He's done it right the last two months, isn't he? things around. <laughs> they were the big winners down the bottom. Um, Mansfield, Berry, Portsmouth and Bristol Rovers all drawing in the game between the bottom two was postponed. Uh, Rumours uh, on Ben Trasler's Twitter that um, Colin Calderwood and Paul Trollope could be, be back. Uh, going Colin back to Colin Northampton. Back, yeah, course, but yes. I'm not sure that's uh, that's going to happen, but watch this space. Um, bit on the transfer window and the FA Cup before we go. Nicky Maynard, Cardiff to Wigan on loan. Aaron McLean's gone from Hull to Bradford. They needed a new striker to replace Naki decent. Wells. At, at League One level, he's decent yeah, enough. Yeah, brought I think. him in. Uh, Joe Lully, we mentioned, and Chris Dagnall. Nathaniel Chalabar, gone from Chelsea to Middlesbrough on loan. He's well, doing the rounds, isn't well, he? Well, Karanka's called yeah. up Mourinho and said, who are your best young players are not going to get anywhere near the team ever. Um, and there, <laughs> there he is. Well, Patrick Bamford would be enough one of those. Yeah. He should have took him. Did you know that um, Liam Lawrence has been playing for PAOK Salonica? I didn't. <laughs> he's, he's back. He's signed for Barnsley. That's one uh, I just a bit uh, different spotted. From, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> scrolling through. To, uh, middle um, of Yorkshire. Right. Okay. That's pretty much it. This weekend in the FA Cup uh, fourth round, there are seven ties which feature football league clubs at home to Premier League opposition. So I'm going to read you those seven, and you've got to call where the upset's going to come from if there's going to be one. Okay. Right. Uh, these are the seven games featuring football league clubs at home to Premier League opposition: Bournemouth against Liverpool, Birmingham against Swansea, Bolton against Cardiff. Manchester City oh no sorry Watford are away aren't they you get off that um, you've got Southend against well Watford can't do much worse than West Ham <laughs> that's true sorry Southend against Hull that's the fourth Wigan against Crystal Palace is the fifth Stevenage against Everton and Sheffield United against Fulham pick one Pro- of those Pro- well we mentioned how Southend I'm going to go for Southend Southend Hull could have been on the telly compared to you know Chelsea versus Stoke and I'm calling it South End. I, I I do just wonder. Liverpool aren't going to play the likes of Suarez. I just I wonder if they, they might. Uh, well, if they do, then more have got no chance. With the second striker, um, probably dives at Dean Court this week if it if it does happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dave, what are you going for out of that? I'm going to say Sheffield United at Fulham because Fulham are uh, home to Fulham. That is, yeah. Yep, yeah, right in the relegation battle. I don't think they even wanted to get through the last round against Norwich to be honest with you um, they were disappointed when that when they got the equaliser to take it to a replay Magic um, the Cup. They, they want to stay in the Premier League and I don't think they're interested I, I think I think Southend and Hull is also another real big chance because I, I think a lot of it will come down to how many players are rested and I, yeah. I can see yeah. a lot of players being rested by the Premier League teams Liverpool different proposition I think Bournemouth will definitely lose to them what but the two relegate the two clubs that are looking downwards I think they'll um, possibly I, go I, out I'd be tempted to say Wigan as well but I know Tony Pulis will probably take it seriously and probably won't rest players but we're, we're going to be in a decent bit of form and are obviously holders so put a draw on that one. Okay, a uh, quick uh, plug for the blogs on the website before we go. You're after League Two writers, are you? New uh, league- yep, some new uh, League Two writers wouldn't go miss. I had plenty of League Two blogs actually uh, this week, lots of Cheltenham, uh, but a very good blog on uh, AFC Wimbledon and their season so far. Kind of you know, f- 
failing to you know, live up to some of the hopes and plenty of other blogs up and down the leaks. OK, we are going up.co.uk to look at those. Uh, you can also uh, listen to the show on SoundCloud. Visit our SoundCloud page. It's soundcloud.com slash podcast, and you can get us on iTunes where we'd appreciate if you just uh, not the old uh, rate and review on there as well. I, I do know before um, you go anywhere, um, last week you mentioned the fantasy football team. Oh, yeah. And how I'm oh, top. God, I looked at oh, oh, yeah. yeah, I've not checked it for months. Brilliant. Well, have you looked at yours, have you? Yeah, terrible. <laughs> right, that's it. Uh, Twitter is at Wagyu Podcast as well. We are back next week looking back at some of the uh, the FA Cup action and uh, the games that are going on in the Football League this weekend. We'll speak to you in seven days' time. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.